Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the American Overlander podcast. I'm your host, Will Fowler from Venture to Rome. Now, Venture to Rome is a video YouTube channel where we go on epic adventures, we do installs and rig modifications and gear reviews and recommendations. So if you haven't already, head over to the channel, give it a watch, and if you like it, give it a sub. On this podcast, we go deeper into some of the subjects that we've covered on our videos. We go behind the scenes in some of those videos, and we interview movers and shakers in the overlanding world. So let's get into it. This episode was so much fun to record. My guest was Chris from Frontier State Overland, who is probably my best friend in the whole world and our most common companion on overlanding trips. So if you've watched any of our videos, you've probably seen Chris, his wife, Elsha, and their kids out adventuring with us. And um, Chris is also my main compatriot for installs on our rigs. We've probably helped each other install just about everything we have, including uh, buying an old Bantam trailer together uh, and using it as a restoration project, which is actually a really fun series you can watch on our channel right now. So this episode covers how Chris and I caught the overlanding bug and the off-roading bug. We talk about how our childhoods influence our connection to the outdoors, how we became friends and how Jeeps were an early influencer in our lives and how we ultimately found our way into overlanding and off-roading. So sit back and get ready for story time because we cover some really fun memories and experiences along our paths to the lives we live today. Okay, let's get started. Today, I'm with my best buddy, Chris, again, and we are talking about how we got into overlanding, how it started for us. So let's just start with where you grew up, where did you grow up, Chris? And, and how did that influence like your relationship with the outdoors? Yeah, so I grew up in um, rural Idaho in Eastern Oregon. And um, it was one of those things where, you know, it's like really agricultural based. Like a lot of my friends had uh, like farms and ranches. And so, you know, we would go out to their places and, um, you know, hang out with them, do like sleepovers and things like that. Um, or, you know, we'd also do like Sunday drives. And, you know, like, wait a minute, a lot like, of these, wait, 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 like what, what's a Sunday drive? What, what does that entail? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it was kind of a, used to be like an antiquated insult, you know, Sunday driver, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, after church or something, you would go and it was a nice day. You go for like a drive you know, out to the country and stuff and just kind of look around and just kind of enjoy the day and, um, now, as a like kid, as, as a kid, did you enjoy that? Because I think a lot of kids would not enjoy just having to sit in a car and drive for hours and hours. As a kid, um, I did. I, I did enjoy it. I really looked forward to those drives um, because we would get to see kind of what was over that hill. But it was really cool because I would always see these roads and I would we would go down one road and then there would be another road and then there'd be another road. Um, we'd be driving along in our 78, 1978 Chevy Malibu two-door, and we kind of get to a point where it's like, okay, I think we should probably go back. Um, but that just kind of got me going into like, man, I really want to see what's down those roads that are like really rocky, really steep, the places where we couldn't go. Those are the ones that I really wanted to go to. I grew up on a dirt road way out um, side of, uh, Weezer, Idaho. And it was like a 15 minute drive just to, just to get into town. But we, I was surrounded by ranches, farms, hills on a dirt road. And I honestly, like, I think back to that dirt road, like for fun, 
you know, we would just explore as kids for fun. We would just start walking, like walk down to the Creek mm -hmm. and find crawdads or, you know, play hide and seek or, you know, play some imaginary game running around and hiding. And, um, I knew it was time to come home when the coyotes would start howling. So yeah, <laughs> when the coyotes are howling. It was like, now it's time. Like that's, that's like a get your butt home, uh, before the coyotes get you. But that's, you know, around <laughs> sunset, you know, the coyotes would come out and we, we would all run home, you know, mm -hmm. scared. We didn't really go on Sunday drives. We went to go like do things like utilitarian things. Like we would go, we would drive up into the forest to cut wood because we needed wood mm -hmm. for our fireplace to keep us warm. We would go, go to the lake to go fishing because we would eat the fish and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. And so like, I never really did a lot of like, nature travel for fun camping was like you know we just sleep in the backyard it was we, we felt like we were camping um and so that you know i i didn't know at the time but i kind of reacted against that um when i got to be a little bit older i i walked away from all that i i needed to get out of the country so we yeah. both we both went to ontario high school which is in the sprawling metropolis of ontario oregon <laughs> population ten thousand. it was like the big like the big town in that yeah. part of the in that part of the country and but we didn't really know each other that well it really wasn't until um like the college of idaho and i was just starting my grad school and my dad said well hey how about this will guy you, you probably remember him and you want him as a roommate and i was like oh sure yeah okay That's, uh, yeah i need somebody to help pay the rent sure and little did you know <laughs> little did i know so we were roommates for, I don't know, a couple of years, kind of on and off. And we did so many things together that like, I still remember, like we were both James Bond fans. And so I think we had just uh -huh. watched a James Bond movie or something like one of the, one of the obscure ones, like Honor Majesty's Secret Service or something like that. Yeah. And we yeah. were like, Hey, let's make martinis. <laughs> Neither one of us have ever had a martini before. Never had a martini. And they, they look so good, you know? Yeah. So I remember, I remember making martinis and we got the recipe and and like, is this it. how they're supposed to taste yeah yeah is this keep adding like olive juice and yeah man, we made, they <laughs> were the dirtiest and... they were the dirtiest martini. we just like started pouring i remember i had like six i probably had six or seven olives yeah <laughs> in mind and it was like okay. two-thirds vermouth and olive juice and like yeah. a little bit of gin okay but there's there's one thing that i forgot to say which i think is really important to the story which is in college you had a Jeep Cherokee Sport, blue, mm -hmm. yeah, with alloy wheels. And, <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was like the coolest car. And we would talk about Jeeps. I didn't really know that much about Jeeps other than I liked them. And I remember having these conversations about like the most capable rig made was a Jeep Wrangler. And at that time, you can only get it in two doors. Yeah. And it was just like, man, can you imagine having a Jeep Wrangler? We could just go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then when I graduated college, my graduation gift was a new car. And I got a Jeep Cherokee classic red. Uh-huh. It was kind of a wannabe Chris's car. Um, yeah. I remember you were like, you were like, it has a solid rear axle. And it has, it has uh, like four high and four low, four wheel drive. And I was like, that's <laughs> awesome. 
what's the stereo like? <laughs> you know, like I had no, I had no context for that. And I never, I don't think I ever put that Cherokee in four wheel drive ever. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, that goes to show you like, you know, my context for Jeeps. So we were, we were really close in college and, and then, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was the best man at your wedding. You're the best man at my wedding. And then life kind of took us separate directions. And I, mm -hmm. we're going to, this is a long walk. We're going to get back to overlanding, but I think it helps to understand how mm -hmm. we both, how we both got there. And I moved off to the East coast. So I moved away and we stayed close mm -hmm. in that we, you know, we're always friends. We always spent time together whenever we could, mm -hmm. but we weren't around each other very often. We're not real big phone or email people. So we just didn't do that. Um, mm -hmm. But I still was like getting away from the outdoors. I was getting away from that country road, that yeah. rural upbringing. And I went into the city. Like I wanted to be in the city. I wanted to be mm -hmm. in the middle. So when, when, when we went to New York city, we didn't live in one of the outer boroughs. We lived in Manhattan. Like I wanted to be in it. We were like, mm -hmm. you know, two blocks from the Empire State Building. I think that's the place you came and visited us when you came to stay. We yeah. were at that little teeny tiny apartment that didn't get any sunlight, but was kind of close to everything. And then, and then, mm -hmm. you know, then we moved to the Upper East Side for, for some time and, and just really lived the city life. We explored all over Europe because we were so close, so easy to fly there. We went to Asia because it was easy to fly there and just lived that life, like just lived mm -hmm. that life. But I thought you guys were never, ever going to leave the city. I yeah. thought, like after visiting, I was like, well, I have, a, I have a friend in New York I can go stay with. And I, you know, I never thought you guys would ever leave. We didn't, we didn't either. I mean, we both had careers that were going well and, but we, but we just couldn't figure out the next 10 years. And so through a series of events, we wound up crash landing back in Idaho. Um, Kate's from uh, Boise and, and I was from Weezer in Ontario. And so but still we'd like live right on the foothills in Boise and we lived there. And it was like five minutes away from downtown Boise too. So five minutes away from downtown Boise, like two minutes away from the trail system. Mm -hmm. And we never did it. I think I rode my mountain bike up there once. I was not connected to the outdoors. I was not connected to nature. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I don't know what your experience was like during that time in terms of like getting out. I think you guys were like, hiking right didn't you guys do like the john muir trail yeah like part of the john muir trail is because elsha's dad was going to telly ski through the sierras um during the winter and so he wanted to kind of check it out so he had us just all over over off trail and um so yeah that that was kind of what we were doing we were hiking and um camping backpacking and stuff and at some point at some point you had bought a jeep wrangler yeah 2012 yeah um, i had, had waited for the 3.6 liter uh pentastar to come out yes um and because I, I had test driven like uh one that you know had the 3.8 and i just it, it just felt like it needed more power so it was, it was a soft it's like i remember there's like a soft feeling when you give it gas and it's not like the the pentastar has turned it into a rocket ship but it's, 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 uh, definitely livable, but, um, yeah. So I, I, in 2012, I got just a sport and, um, I remember like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to mod this thing out. And I got a, um, a level kit mm -hmm. and I was able to squeeze 33s on there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
I just thought it was like the best thing ever. And honestly, it did, it did great um, until um, I did this, like the first kind of trip where I, I learned about like airing down and stuff. I'd had it for maybe like a year. And this guy at one of the uh, Jeep clubs in the area invited me to go with him and his family across um, the Oahe um, backcountry byway. And he, he rolled up, like I got to the place where we're going to meet the rendezvous point and you know, he, he pulls up and he's rocking 35s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just, I looked like at mine, which those 33s seemed so big until he pulled up with those 35s. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh man, how do I do that? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I couldn't figure out a way to, um, you know, to, to pay to, to redo the suspension and get 35s. Yeah. So I just stuck with the 33s and they were great. So you had a Jeep and you were actually out there trying to use it. So Kate and I wanted to buy an, a nicer car um, mm-hmm. or, or a fun car. And uh, I really wanted a black, like a black on black Jeep. I was like, black on black, baby. We're going to do this. It's going to be like midnight. And um, yeah. and I couldn't really do it. Kate was like, nah, that's not really my thing. And so we found this uh, all white uh, Jeep Sahara. And one thing that I really liked was that the fenders are the same color. Cause one thing that I do not like about the JKs is how faded those black plastic fenders look in relatively short amount of time. You've got to do a lot of work to keep mm-hmm. them looking good. So I liked the all white look and my, um, my stepbrother was a salesperson at this car lot, but he was like, look, uh, we're not dropping the price on that. There's no way. And I was like, it's just so expensive. And he was like, mm, that, that's just how much they cost. So there's no, like, my boss is not going to let me give you a good deal on that. Sorry, I can give you like, you know, maybe I can give you like 500 bucks off. And I was like, mm. he's like, but I'll tell you what, nobody else wants to pay that either. And so if you just wait, just wait for like six weeks. And in six weeks, when nobody buys that Jeep, probably they're going to drop the price by a few thousand dollars. And I was like, okay, because we were in no hurry. Um, and sure enough, six weeks later, Bo texted me. And he was like, drop the price. And I was like, I'll see you this afternoon. And so we, <laughs> we showed up that afternoon. We bought the Jeep and it had 33s on it. It had 18 inch, it still has, I haven't gotten rid of these yet. It has 18 inch fuel wheels on it. It had 33s. They were um, Toyo Open Country AT2 Extremes. Yeah. Which, which I, would, I would classify as like a hybrid between um, an all-terrain and a mud tire. So the, mm-hmm. it, the tread was a little deeper. They were, they seemed like very wide. Um, and it had- Yeah, they were a, like 13 and a half inches wide. Yeah, they yeah. Were, yeah, good size. Um, had a fab tech. I think it was like a two inch lift on it maybe. Um, uh-huh. And it was a bump stop lift. And uh, I thought it was the cool, I thought I had like the best lift in the world. I was like, <laughs> dude, I have a fab tech, fab, fab tech bump stop lift. And you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And and you're like, those are nice tires though. So anyway, so I bought it and never took it off road. Took the top off all the time. It was like, it's so fun to drive around. I mean, it was just, Mm -hmm. we had had so much fun in that Jeep. Okay, this is where we're getting back to overlanding. And then you called me up and you were like, let's go on a Jeep trip. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And you're Mm -hmm. like, I want to go on this road. I drove on it with Elsha a little bit. And I think it would be really fun take the jeeps on it it's up past catch and we can go see it um my family's cabin and i was like 
well, like how difficult is it? And you're like, eh, you know, it's, it's pretty it's difficult, but Jeeps will be just fine. And I was yeah. like, well, I don't want to like scratch my paint. <laughs> you <know, like, laughs> you're like, you know, Jeeps were made for this, Will. They were made to do this stuff. And I was like, okay, okay. okay. It was me, you, and our, and our good buddy, JP, who had at the time, yeah. like an 03 Forerunner. That was- yeah, Rockatansky. Yeah, Rockatansky is what we called it. <laughs> that had a ton of um, modifications. Like it was a true- Oh, yeah. Rig. Um, yeah, it was dialed in for sure. And we drove, started driving this trail. The trail's called Boulder Basin, the Boulder Basin Trail. Uh, it's a well-known trail in Idaho. Anybody who's mm-hmm. who off-roads Overlands knows that trail in Idaho. And it is, it's amazing. It is an amazing trail. It was a little yeah. much for me for my first time. Um, well, that makes two of us. Actually, <laughs> it makes three of us. <laughs> yeah, we were so stressed out. Um, I, get, I, got a, I had a migraine by the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we went out for pizza and you're like, I'm going home guys. I can't see straight. Um, you're like, I don't know what's wrong. I was like, are you just like stressed? And you're like, no, it's gotta be something else. I'm like, okay. And the next morning you're yeah, like, no, I was stressed. stressed out. <laughs> yeah. I was stressed. But, but we, but we went on this adventure. We needed our Jeeps to get, mm-hmm. to get where we wanted to go. And it was yeah. the first time I, used my jeep as a tool i remember i recorded it because i've always been kind of a video geek okay we're getting ready to head we're getting ready to head out on the boulder basin trail with two jeeps and a forerunner we let the forerunner come along because he's a nice guy but otherwise we we wouldn't have let the forerunner come with us but it's it's a pretty sweet forerunner so say it there's chris let's go and I recorded like my video diary of the trip. And on the way up, I am like freaking out about rocks. Like, oh my God, this is gonna mm-hmm. pop my tire or I don't want a high center. Oh my, I'm in a high center, my Jeep. I'm gonna try to pick my line here and not blow my tires or high center on my Jeep. Here we go. And you know, <laughs> these are like- I remember some of the audio from that trip. Yeah, yeah, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to share it. Following Chris as he navigates some monster rocks up there. Look at him go. But it was, it was, you know, I had real fear. And then we went on a water crossing, did like water crossing. We drove through a creek bed. And on the way mm-hmm. back down, I was like, this is, come on, I got this. Like, give me a rock, mm-hmm. put a tire on it. I can do this. The trail seems so easy down here compared to what we were doing up on top of the mountain. You know, like I was it, like coming down, I had so much more confidence um, driving my Jeep off road, even though I was still a total noob that it was like, well, this is something that I didn't know I could do. And yeah. uh, it was a total, total eye opener for me. Yeah. And I think too, that, that, that was the trip where you kind of had a little bit of a eye opener too, as to the limitations of the old Fabtech lift, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I, at that time had um, moved on to my, my second, the first Wrangler had been wrecked. Yeah. I uh, remember, you know, this is, this is a, this is maybe an important part of our Jeep friendship. At least it is for me. I remember you got in an accident in your um, yeah in your old Jeep, and it was a, it was a terrible freak freak accident. You were lucky to live, and both your girls were too. And uh, that's beside the point. Like, glad you're still around, buddy. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> thanks was totaled, was completely totaled, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to like do something, and I, and yeah. and I so I remember, and I was like, but he's not going to accept any help from me because that's just the way Chris is. And so I remember I had my dad follow me out to your house and I just uh-huh. left my Jeep there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember like, yeah. I, yeah, this is like literally like the day, the day after, maybe two days after, but yeah. um, 
yeah like i get a call and it's oh and he's like hey man uh yeah come to your like your front door it was kind of and i was like <laughs> like huh and so i opened up the door and there's will and his dad standing there and um he's a great guy he yeah. you know he'd give you the shirt off his back and you know so i kind of see where where will gets it a bit and, and will's like yeah so you're a jeep guy and you don't have a jeep now so i think you should drive my jeep you gave you handed me the keys to yeah. uh finn and I, I had Finn for like a month. Oh yeah. And I don't know how long it was, but I was so happy that you had, I was so happy that you had Finn because I didn't need it. We had another car. We have, it was our third car. So I was so happy. I was like, I was like, you know, I can, at least he can drive a Jeep tomorrow. Like he totaled his Jeep. At least he doesn't have to get into a Subaru. <laughs> well, and so, and yeah. so, but the thing is, is that I think, I think 99% of like Jeep owners would have like showed up like, Hey, here's the keys to my Camry. I'm going to drive the Jeep while you <laughs> drive my Camry, <laughs> which you, I mean, the reason I chose Camry is because that's what, what we you were a, driving. That's what I drove. We had a Camry and we have, we had a yeah. Highlander and we have, we had the Jeep. Yeah. And you definitely yeah. got the Jeep. I mean, it's all I could think of to do because mm -hmm. what a traumatic experience and to have your Jeep totaled. And it wasn't your Jeep, but at least it was a Jeep, you know? Oh, and it was, it was awesome. And the thing was too, is that like, um, that insult to injury though, is like, I pulled up like, you know, a week, you know, after the accident, when I finally was clear to go back to work and the kids, the kids at the school where I work, they were like, wow, this Jeep is way nicer than your old Jeep, Mr. Dagger. And I was like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Cause Finn is, Finn is even back then it was just like an eye catching rig but then you came out of that deal with a new rubicon and and that's yeah that's ripley that's the rig that you have now i had gotten um my current rig ripley i i i think of it like it's just it's so like tactical it's like got a sweet <laughs> suspension awesome wheels and tires on it and is it is mm -hmm. like very purposely built with the way that mm -hmm. you 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 kind of mount it up it is like, it is a trail rig. It is an overlanding trail rig. It's just awesome. Yeah. I love it when our rigs are out together. Cause it's like when those two, when we're like mounted up and out on the trail, it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. those two juice belong together. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're, they, they do. Have, their intent is very clear. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think like our first like actual overlanding adventure. And I think at that point we were still kind of trying to figure out like what direction we wanted our rigs to go. I think we both kind of we hadn't talked about it or anything. Um, but I don't think either one of us wanted to do like just rock crawling. You know, we kind of, I think we both about the same time stumbled on some vids of like the Australians, like Ronnie Dahl and the Dalai Lama. Like, the Ronnie Dalai yeah. Lama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Dalai Lama. Yep. Yeah. Hashtag. Uh, <laughs> I like that. But um, anyway, but like we had just kind of started to see some of these things that were like, that is really cool. Yeah. These guys are going way out into the middle of nowhere. Honestly, though, honestly, like, honestly, before our first trip, uh, you had spent more time doing that than me because I didn't know what overlanding meant. I had watched some of those and I think you'd sent me some of those videos and I watched them and I thought they were really cool. And, uh, mm -hmm. but I was confused because a bunch of Toyotas and not a lot of Jeeps, but like, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know what overlanding, I didn't know the term overlanding until you called me up and you're like, let's go on a trip. Let's go on like a trip trip together. Like, let's mm -hmm. go pack up the Jeeps and go. And I was like, dude, there is no way I can do that without taking the kids. And you're like, okay, mm -hmm. let's just take the kids. And I was like, 
all right, so me, you, the kids, uh -huh. we're just going to go. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, it's, it's called overlanding. And I was like, well, I like the name, but what does that mean? And you're like, it's, it's like where you drive, you go on like cool, difficult, but scenic and remote trails and you kind of camp along the way. But the point isn't to go camping. The point is to go see mm -hmm. what you can see out there and enjoy the experience. And I was like, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we had, um, I think it's like a 12 person tent. <laughs> it's so huge. Yeah. Like the instant uh, Coleman yeah, tent. Bought it at Costco the, the year before for something. I can't remember what. And uh, it was just this massive thing. And I just remember just hucking so much stuff in the back of the Jeep and we hit the road. And I think we had to leave late because I didn't have a key to my, to my lug nuts. We had to go find it. Oh yeah. And I was like, I'm not leaving if I can't change a tire. Like, I'm just not going to do that. And so we had to go to yeah. some obscure, like black market lug nut dealer, <laughs> find a key. And, and, uh, and I, and I thought I didn't have a jack too. I was like, I need to buy a jack. I don't know. There's no jack in this. And you're like, why don't you look under the, just look in the back of your Jeep, just pull up the thing. There's usually a jack that's right there. And it's like, I looked there, Chris, there's no jack. And you're like, are you sure you looked there? And I was like, yes, I looked there. And I bought a jack and I, and then I was like, where am I going to put this? And so I was like, let me put it here. And I lifted up the thing and there's, the, there's the jack that came with it. Um, in any case, we drove up over the top of Bogus Basin. Mm -hmm. which Down is to Placerville. Yeah. Which is a local ski hill here in Boise. And we got up on top of the Boise Ridge. Yeah. Ridge Mountains. And you just see for miles in any direction. It was like, it was like a spiritual experience for me to be up there. Mm -hmm. It was like a whole new world that I'd never seen in my entire life. And mm -hmm. I remember looking out on those Boise Mountains and just being floored by the fact that I got to be there on that mm -hmm. ridge, no one else around, just you and me driving this road that existed, that was like, was there for us to drive on. Yeah. And no one else is doing this. No, and I think a lot of people still don't know that that road is there. Driving from Bogus Basin over to Harris Creek Summit um, with our Jeeps. It's um, Chris Taggart, uh, my best buddy, and my Jeep here. We brought our kids this trip. And uh, right now we're, we're driving the mountain pass between Bogus Basin and Harris Creek Summit. And uh, some of the vistas that we have along the way are just incredible. You can see just the, the range of mountains out there and it was just too good to pass up. I had to stop and take a quick video. We kept going, we went down into Placerville. We drove up to Deadwood Reservoir. Yeah. Um, and we set up camp and I got my big 12 person tent out and all that. And the kids had fun playing in the water. I think you were making gin and tonics that night. And, and I have, I have video that I don't want to share because I think I'm a little tipsy on camera. Two buddies from college with two Jeeps, a Rubicon and a Sahara with both of their kids. So they, they each have two kids went on a Jeep trip. And this is night one. As are you. Do it again. <laughs> all right. Ready? Yep. We put the kids to bed and we were sitting out there in our camp chairs, looking up at the stars chatting and it was like mm -hmm. the constraints of being in nature i found to be so freeing meaning mm -hmm. like there's no cell coverage there's no internet there's no ipads it's too dark mm -hmm. to read a book you know so what do you do you sit on the campfire and you connect yeah and you just talk and you look at the stars and you and and they're awe-inspiring 
Um, mm. And that was there's there's no man-made lights out there like right. anywhere close. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a massive, massive experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you'd been camping and stuff before, but I don't I don't know if that was your first time out like that or not. So like that, I think was like the first or the second trip that I had done. I think maybe it was the second. JP and I had had gone on one. Mm-hmm. Um, like the sucker Creek. And it was just one of those things where the kids kept asking like, well, where are we going? And I was like, well, we're going to be going to like this area. Like, well, we're going to, when we're going to get there. I was like, I don't know. And th- it was really hard for them, you know, especially as kids, they wanted to know like what the end goal was, mm-hmm. what, what time we're going to get there, where are we going? You know? And I think for them now that they're, you know, quite a bit older, they don't really ask like when we're going to be there, you know, where we're going although now i think we have more of an idea about like some some points that we like to get to you know especially you with your mapping skills are like so awesome because you can't you can't check your text you can't check your email you can't stream something i don't so i don't know if people who haven't done that before truly know how profound that is yeah i i find it to be profound it's still every time we go i find it to be a profound experience to be mm-hmm. totally disconnected. And you'll, like you hear this in my, it's, it's, it's profound for me, so I keep putting it in my videos. It's yeah. it, to be disconnected from the grid, yeah. disconnected. That constraint of being disconnected causes a greater connection to nature mm-hmm. and to the people around you. It actually, you're actually more connected when you disconnect from the grid because mm-hmm. you're actually now, like you said, you're like alive in the space that you're in and all your senses are, are more alive. And something happens when you hit the trail with a friend, mm-hmm. you go from being a friend to a teammate mm-hmm. and you're, you're on a mission together. And the mission is to have a great time camping, but like you're going from point A to point B and mm-hmm. you're working together to get there. And then you get to camp and you're kind of working together, even though you're doing your own things, you're like setting up your camp together and Mm -hmm. tearing it down together and going and there's this cohesiveness that happens that cohesiveness is driven by the fact that we're not texting yeah we're not distracted by anybody else we're not thinking we can't think about work because we've got to set up our tent got a real problem which is i need to if i don't set this up i'm sleeping on the ground today yeah and are those storm clouds or you know like (laughs) yes but it does it forces you to be um to be present with the people that you're there with and to focus on, you know, very specific tasks. So and I remember, I remember that first night being so profound for me. The next morning I got up, I'm, I'm a little bit of an early riser. So I'm usually the first one up at camp. First thing is I made coffee and I was like, Chris is going to have a good cup of coffee when he wakes up. So then I had brought some fishing poles for my kids and I wanted to go fishing before we left for our next destination which I think was yellow pine, which I've never been to still to this day. We have no, to- we, yeah, we still need to do that. Yeah. 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 So like, yes, there's a twist here. So I had this brand new, really nice, no, not really nice, really sharp, let's say camp knife. Um, uh-huh. And I was trying to open up this fishing rod that had zip ties kind of holding it to the packaging. <laughs> and I put pressure in there to cut through the zip tie. The knife slipped off and just went right into my, right into my finger. And it was a hard hit. And I remember when it hit, I was like, oh no, that's not good. That was too hard. It like bit deep. I was, <laughs> was like getting my first aid kit out, which I just got. So I like, I was like 
holding my, trying to hold my finger to like keep it together and keep it from gushing blood, finding my first aid kit, trying to get band-aids out. And by about this time you're getting up and you're, you know, you're like really kind of putting my contacts in contacts in and you're just like, Oh man, it is early in the morning. And, and I was like, yep. You know, there's coffee there for you, Chris, if you want some and you're like, and oh, I thanks. see you like, and I see you with a pile of band-aids <laughs> trying desperately, trying desperately to cover this thing up. I'm like, what are you, Hey, well, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Oh, I cut myself I'm like, huh, can I see? But it was kind of hard to, for you to, to not show because the band-aids are just soaked in blood. Yeah. Like they are just like, as soon as you're putting them on, they are just soaking up. I'm like, yeah let's see that man and you pull it back and i'm like oh yeah you need stitches you're like and you need help like you need help bandage you can't do this by yourself and i was like oh okay okay so i remember you helped you helped me wrap it up um yeah. and then i had to um i had to pick up camp yeah break down camp this is why i have a different camp setup now that experience was like yeah. scarred me it was like i have to go to the emergency room but before i go to the emergency room i've got to get my kids up roll their sleeping bags up deflate the air mattresses, get those out of the tent, break down the mm-hmm. tent, um, get the tarps. It was a up, big deal. Yeah. Pack it all back into the Jeep. And I, and I don't have use of one of my hands, basically. I have use of kind of like, well, I, I could, I could still kind of use my hand a little bit, but I had to be really, really careful with it. Yeah. And you know, it took going as in emergency mode. It still took 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Oh, at least. Yeah. Um, and it was a team effort too. Like, yeah. like we we're try- enlisting the kids <laughs> to, <laughs> to do things or, you know, helping each other out. And in the meantime, the bandage, like the wrapping is turning just red. Right. And my finger is turning black and blue. We had wrapped, we had wrapped it tight enough that mm-hmm. I had lost all feeling in my finger. And yeah. I remember I was like, my finger is dead and numb. I'm not, that's probably not good. Mm-hmm. I like, and I was like, did I cut a nerve or something? And you know, all the things going through your head. So I was like, let's yeah. go. We hit the trail. We had a great night at Deadwood Reservoir. Um, this morning, as we were uh, just getting ready for breakfast and um, making coffee, I unfortunately uh, spliced my finger open. So I really nailed it. And uh, bad enough that I probably need to get stitches or get it at least glued up. So uh, we're going to continue on to Warm Lake, which is about a two-hour drive from from, uh, Deadwood. And this is the first time I really understood how awesome it was to have a Jeep with Mm -hmm. tires aired down, um, sway bar connectors. My sway bar connectors were off. It was probably 30 miles, maybe 40 miles. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good distance and they weren't, and this is like some serious roads too. No, it may have been 50 miles, Chris. I think it was anyway, any, in any case. Yeah, it was a long, we were just bombing, bombing the roads. Like, I don't know, 50 miles an hour. I think mm-hmm. 55 sometimes, depending on the, you know, what safely on straightaways, we were going really fast and the Jeep was just soaking it in. I mean, I, I, it's like driving a Ferrari, except for your off-road. It's like, this is, this rig is made to do this. Got to the emergency room and the previous day and the drive, cause the drive was pretty awesome getting to the hospital. Previous day, the night had me so wound up that I was like, I was negotiating with the emergency room staff on whether or not I, I could keep camping. I got four or five stitches in my finger. And I was like, what do you think, doc? Like, think I could like, just keep, keep going. 
And yeah. he was like, well, I mean, you're going to be using your hand a lot if you go camping, right? And you're going to be like out in the dirt. And I was like, oh. no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. Like, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. I'll keep it real clean. I'll like cover it up, do all the stuff. And he was like, well, I mean, if you want to, you're probably would be okay. Just make sure that you don't get it dirty. And I, I well, remember he was literally stitching my hand and uh, I had my phone with Gaia GPS in my other hand. I was just going to say that you're sending me texts from <laughs> getting stitched. And I'm like, the girls are like, what's that? I was like, oh, it's Uncle Will. He's sending us some possible routes. And I was like, <laughs> are you, do you want to keep going? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, the doctor, the doctor said it's okay. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And you're sending like four or five different, different routes while you're getting stitched up. <laughs> you know in the emergency room yeah that i think is probably a pretty good indicator that i had caught the bug after yeah. after one night and and dude we randomly found a lake 18 yeah. miles on the other side of a ski hill in mccall mm -hmm. idaho yeah because that's where i was the hazard lakes yeah. yeah upper hazard lake we drove up there it was an awesome drive it was an awesome drive yeah um and just beautiful i mean not technical at all just beautiful dirt roads, beautiful mm -hmm. countryside. And we let the kids go swimming in the lake. We went and we found a campsite, we set up camp mm -hmm. and we had an awesome night. That's the night that yeah. we saw a satellite burn up in the atmosphere. Remember that? Well, and it, it wasn't just like seeing a satellite burning up. You were like, Hey, there's a satellite. And I was like, Oh, that's what those are. You know? Cause oh, yeah. I was, I like, I didn't, I didn't put together that. Oh, those are satellites flying across the sky. And you're like, yeah, sometimes they go to like a low earth orbit, then they burn up. And then it just like, like right on cue, burn up. <laughs> and we're just like, what? Yeah. How, how did that happen? Yeah. But, I mean, there was like a couple of coincidences on that last part of the trip because there was that truck that um they had a flat tire yeah they had a pretty big um hole in it and they didn't have a spare and um you were setting up camp and the girls and i were just like exploring a little bit further and he's like he and his wife are frantic frantically waving people down but nobody can help them because nobody had a tire patch kit yeah until i came along and i had this tire patch kit that I still carry with me that was Your like tire plugs, right? Cheap. Yeah. And so it's got like the rubber plugs and the reamer and all that stuff. And he's like, Hey man, he's like, do you have a tire patch kit? And I was like, yeah, and of course I do. <laughs> the look on his face was like pure, like elation. And his wife was just like, just so super excited. And it took like four plugs yeah, to cash that hole. Yeah, it was massive. Like he ran over like a stick in the road and it just hit his tire perfectly and made a big plug in it. And so I aired him up and I was like, yeah, you better bomb it down because I don't know how long this is going to last. But sure enough, you know, they just they just took off and made it down, I assume. Like he was a rancher. And so he gave, you know, it was like trying to give me all this <laughs> like meat and beer and stuff. And <laughs> I think I took some of the beet and meat and beer, but I think you did. Anyway, yeah. it was just like funny. Cause if you hadn't slashed your finger, I doubt we would have seen that satellite burn up. Yeah. And I doubt that, you know, we would have been there to, to help that guy and his wife out. And it was just a beautiful spot. And I don't know about most end. people, but even here in Boise, Idaho, and you live out in Caldwell, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't see stuff like that. You don't see you yeah. don't, the night sky doesn't show you all of it when you're in any town because of light pollution, yeah. when you're out there and you, and you can see everything, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's just a special experience. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So then so we, we wrapped that trip up and I, and then I said, Kate, there's this thing called overlanding. And Kate was like, uh-huh. Sounds, sounds like something you and Chris would do. And I was like, it is, it was amazing. And I think we should try it. And she was like, you know what, honey, I love you. If you want to do it, I'll do it with you. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, and so then we went our first trip as a family and we went mm -hmm. up to Trinity mountain, Trinity mountain lakes, mm -hmm. uh, which by the way, just released a video. We tried to go back and we failed that we didn't make yeah. it. Um, but we, I mean, we will go back. It's only because stupid mistakes, not because anything bad really happened. Yeah. Um, but we went up there and I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I'm trying to get the weather forecast off my CB. I don't even know what the weather button looks like on my CB. I remember the next day I called you and I was like, I'm trying to find the weather button. You're like, it says WX on it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but so we get up there and we camp. We're the, we're the only ones up there. And this massive thunderstorm rolls in at like nine o'clock and it is raining. It is pouring. And the lightning, when you're up at 8,000 feet, that mm -hmm. and the cloud is just like scraping the mountain. It feels like every bolt is coming, is coming for you. In fact, there was another couple who drove up in their sedan and they set up their, they set up a uh, tent and they got so freaked out. They just took the tent and they like crushed it in the trunk. They didn't even take it apart. They just, oh, wow. they just, they were like, we need to leave now. And they crushed in the trunk and they bugged out. And that was like, uh -huh. I think that was the worst possible move because those roads were so muddy from all the rain yeah. and they're going back down at night. So in any case, we got in the Jeep and we all sat in the Jeep for a while just to be safe because the lightning was so intense. And, uh, and so, but then, but then lightning passed and the sky was clear. It was about 1030 at this point. Kate and I started a fire. We sat around the fire and we were thankful to be alive. <laughs> and we looked up at the stars and we had those conversations that you have. And yeah. it was a magical experience. And the kids were fine. I had forgot, I, I have forgot to bring the thing that airs up the air mattress. So we slept on the ground. You know, we slept with sleeping bags were like on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and yet we woke up the next day. We had an amazing breakfast. And then we hit the trail again. And it was, it, that's when Kate caught the bug. Mm -hmm. um, now that second night we didn't camp because we were afraid to camp again. We were also afraid. We were afraid, like we didn't really know how to do it. Really didn't, we didn't really know what to do. Like, is it okay mm -hmm. to camp here or not camp here? Is this a safe place? Are the bears going to get us here? Are the wolves going to get like, there's all these things that we just didn't really know. And we were yeah. alone. And I remember thinking like, oh, I wish, I wish Chris and Elsha were with us because it always feels better when you're with somebody else to kind of talk mm -hmm. through these things, which is why overlanding is kind of a group sport. Um, yeah. But it's a buddy system for sure. Yeah. But, but from that point on for us, from that point on, it was overlanding and Kate got super involved and she's like, if we're doing this, we're doing this right. And we just mm -hmm. put a ton of time and effort into designing what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, how to pack tents, mm -hmm. all like every detail. And yeah. that's been a huge part of our lives ever since. Yeah. And it's funny too, because there's definitely a big, you know, just kind of thinking back on it, like there's such a huge evolution about like, you know, from when you start, like, you know, trying to make your camp set up as efficient as possible and, you know, loading up and, you know, paring things down that you don't need, you know, there's like kind of that tangible gear part of it but then there's also like there's a little bit of discomfort going out to areas where you are so far out 
And I think it, it can freak a lot of people out because we go to some really remote areas. Yeah. I mean, you're like several days walk to, to like any man-made structure. Um, and there's no cell phone service. The chances of getting a tow truck or something out in these areas is really remote. Yep. Um, and getting comfortable with that, not just comfortable, to, but to a point where you like, you really just kind of, you just crave it and that's what you look for, you know? And then the other thing too, is just, there's kind of like a, a faith that kind of evolves too, where I remember when we first started and it was like, oh, that, that looks like a good campsite. And we would take kind of the first spot that we found Yep. and just kind of settle. Yeah. And it's because, well, I don't know if there's going to be another spot. Well, now it's like, yeah, this is a nice one. But this was around this bend. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, maybe to, to a fault, you know, where all of a sudden it's like eight or nine o'clock at night and, you know, <laughs> people are starting to get hung, a little hangry. <laughs> but that has happened. Um, yeah. It has happened. But, you know, you also have those experiences too, where you just wake up in the morning and you're like, oh man, this is an amazing spot. I didn't even know it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. or you do find those spots just around the corner. Yeah. And just having that faith that, you know, there's, there's going to be something. Kate calls it. She, she says, you know, she always says it's all about the discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's about the discomfort that you experience that makes it so special. It's that constraint and the Mm -hmm. constraints drive new feelings and new experiences. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and fear and unknown and Mm -hmm. like living in that space, even just for a weekend Mm-hmm. It, it I think it changes you as a person. Yeah. You come back and you're like, yeah, I can pick up the grocery. I can make a choice on the groceries. Now. That's easy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I can do this other stuff. That's easy because mm-hmm. I was just in a very unknown place. And for me, what I really love, this is, I love going to super remote places. I do not like going to places that are, that have any level of traffic in them. And we do, but mm-hmm. like I, I, if I had to choose, I want to go to a place <clears> that no one's been to it yet this year. And yeah. whenever that happens, there's, I just find something so satisfying about sparsity, you know, the, of people and just thinking I'm the first person to look at the stuff this year. I'm the first person mm-hmm. to see this. And there's, it's really, it's, it's, it's like an exclusive club of mm-hmm. people who get out and experience those things and get to those places well, it's fun too, because, um, when I had my, had my old trailer new, I had, I had to have like uh, some wheel, wheel spacers kind of bored out and I took it to a place here in Caldwell and it's a, an older guy that's been doing it for a long time. And he was asking what they were for and just, just a super nice guy. And so I told him what we like to do. And he's like, his eyes just lit up and he's like, Oh, have you guys been to this place? I was like, no, I've never heard of that. And he's like, yeah. And how about this place? And, you know, he's naming all these places that I've never, ever heard of, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, you know, I start like writing them down and checking them out and, you know, and I've had experiences with, you know, with that, that fabricator and like our veterinarian and, you know, like older relatives that they're just, they, they think it's like great. And they're so willing to share like, you know, places that, you know, are really off the beaten path that not a lot of people know about yeah. old mining towns and, you know, mountains and passes that people just kind of forget about because they're not easily accessible. I, I always, I think it's so cool. Like even on our, on our social media channels, so YouTube and Instagram, 
Facebook when I, I'll make a, I'll post something. I try, I try to never geotag anything, but I don't mind giving clues to where it is. However, I love it when somebody sees a picture and they're like, oh, I know that place. Yeah. There's like this, you just have this instant connection. And I do it to other people who post like when I'm like, oh, I know that place. And I have yeah. to say like, I know that place. And it's like this, this exclusive mm-hmm. club that you're in that you, yeah. you know, you were both there and you get to share it. I think that's, yeah, I, that, that, that community that's built around people who go out and you never mm-hmm. forget. I, I, I don't think you ever forget a place when you're yeah. out there. And you find a few, I mean, you know, the goal is, at least for me, it's just to like find all these new places. Like it's always like, what's up over that road? However, there's a few places that I just love returning to every year. You know, there's places that I don't know, they, they kind of, you form a, form a special attachment to them. I can't yeah. imagine, I can't imagine us not going to Hell's Canyon every year. Yep. That place is just. Yeah. And that place, yeah, has really captured my imagination too. Like you, that first trip that you planned and well, the second trip that you planned. and We didn't film the um, first one. And now we're talking about doing a, so doing a, a pretty big trip this next summer. Yeah. I mean, before we talk about that, I guess my, my, my last real question for you is, you know, we just came to this kind of lifestyle not too long ago. What do you think? Like, do you think this is like a, a forever activity or do you think this is just like a passing fad that we'll grow out of? Man, I don't ever see growing out of this. You know, it's funny because I keep thinking of ways to extend it as I get to be, to be older, you know, like I, you know, kind of looking into the future ways that we can keep doing it for years and years and years. Yeah. Cause there's just so many places to see. And I, I don't want to like stay at home and sit in my recliner watching TV all day, you know, watching I want to YouTube of other people doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, I would rather be out there doing it. The one thing that worries me, although I'm not really worried about this is because Idaho is just so full of public lands and we haven't even scratched the Mm -hmm. surface in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, California, Utah, Utah, Wyoming, Montana. I mean, we live in such an amazing part of the country when it comes to public Mm -hmm. lands. And we are just, there's, I don't, there's no way we could see it all in our lifetime. You know, there's just no No. way. And that's just this this corner of the, of the country, um, Mm -hmm. let alone, Arizona, New Mexico. Yeah. I, I skip over the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> no, like Michigan, you know, like, like the yeah. peninsula. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just, there's uh, Indiana has a couple amazing forests and things to. Yeah. Pennsylvania. And, oh, the Ozarks. Oh my God. Okay. The Ozarks, you know, like. Yeah. The Catskills and Smokies yeah. and yeah. And then there's also Canada. Oh my God. And British Columbia, you know, we were just talking about Baja, yeah. Mexico. Yeah. Baja, Mexico. So, so, you know, I, the one thing I can, it's like, okay, have I seen everything there is to see, you know, like when I go to Europe, sometimes I'm like, this is just another old church. I, I, I have seen so many churches on this trip. This Mm -hmm. is, it's beautiful, but it's, it's like, it's like when you go wine tasting or beer tasting, it's like, at the end of the day, you're like, it tastes like beer. Uh I don't know. It's it's thumbs up, thumbs down. I don't know anymore. I just kind of just want to stop. Like, I haven't got that yet. But that's what mm. I worry. I worry that it's like, oh, it's just another million dollar view. <laughs> and I become desensitized to it. I hope that never happens. But that's my one, my one fear is that, you know, it doesn't have that draw because we've seen so much, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not that worried about it. 
Yeah, speaking of so much to see, seeing so much, next summer, you and I have been yeah. talking about this and we wanted to do it this summer, but it didn't work. No. And timing is really tricky with doing this, mm -hmm. but you and I are going, to, are going to attempt to do the entire Idaho backcountry discovery tra trail in one trip, mm -hmm. which starts in Jarbage, Nevada, which I cannot mm -hmm. wait to go back to Jarbage. We might even just go back oh. there before the trip just to go to Jarbage. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. We got to get some of that prime rib. Yeah, we do. And, and hit some real trails. Like, like yeah. go and when the weather is uh, uh, good enough that we can really get on some trails. But in any case, Jarbage, Nevada, up through, I want to say Pine and Featherville to Trinity, keep going mm -hmm. up to- uh, like Towards McCall. To, up to Yellow Pine, through Yellow Pine, mm -hmm. up to, oh gosh, Elk City, I think it is. Yeah, like over by- um, Magruder Corridor. Dwarshack and yeah. Yeah. And then all the way, I mean, all the way up to Canada. Yeah. Wall, I think you go past like Wallace, which yeah. is just such a cool old town. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to see everything from kind of like the high desert all the way to like really, like really thick forests and some yeah. like amazing lakes and um, old mining towns. And, um, and that trail is not easy. And some of the reasons that it's not easy is because of just the conditions. So mm -hmm. there's, I think there's only about a three week window where you can really do the whole thing anymore because we have such intense fire seasons now that, mm -hmm. um, and we've been having really good snowpack. And so I think Magruder and Lolo were only open for 13 days because they had snow on them. Mm -hmm. By the time the snow melted, there were fires. And so yeah. we were planning to go, I think probably the best window it's, it's before fire season really kicks off. There could be an early fire that dampens our, our plans, or there could be too much snowpack and not warm enough temps that also dampen our plans. I think we'll, we'll be able to work our way around. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think it's going to be challenging. It's going to be, I don't know, 10, 12 days, maybe something like that. So we have a lot of, yeah. a lot of planning to do, but it's going to be me and you and whoever else comes with us. I think the girls might be with us for a bit. Kids might be yeah. with us for a bit, but you and I will be there the whole time. Yeah, exactly. So have some friends that could maybe come in and in and out a couple of times. So yep. the conditions will be the most important part of that trip. Being able to recover each other, I think will hopefully keep it from becoming too exhausting because as we know, like just trying to do a, a self-recovery just for the practice, man, it's doable, but you're going to pay for it. Yeah, it, so. yeah, it's taxing. It was this was a fun conversation to have, Chris, because mm -hmm. you and I kind of this is like a fireside chat for us. We tell the story to each other, time you know, from time to time. We'll recant our first overlanding experience together, and there's always some new detail that we remember, like the burning satellite. I had forgot about that until this conversation, yeah. and you know, it's different for everybody. Everybody has a different entry point into into this world, into this community. But I think maybe one of the things that's important to leave folks with is that it really is a community and there's a lot of help. Mm -hmm. um, there's really great Facebook groups on Instagram. Yeah. You know, you could probably reach out to any of your favorite creators with questions. And if they don't answer, move to the next, move to your next favorite creator, because I know a lot of them do answer questions directly and um, there's a lot of help out there. So if you're yeah. interested in getting into this, uh, you can do it. 
Absolutely. You don't need a big rig. You don't need a bunch of fancy mm-hmm. stuff. If you want to try it out, grab your, grab your 12 person tent, throw it in the back of your SUV yeah. and go find a place to camp. You know, it is, it's a great community and it doesn't, you know, we like to rib each other about like, you know, rigs and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of brand loyalty, but at the same time too, there's still that common bond of wanting to, you know, get out and explore. And there's everybody I think has that bond for that, with that spirit of adventure. And so if you're, if you're new to it, ask them and I'm, you know, I'm sure that they're happy to, to talk to you about it. Yeah. That's good advice. I should do that more. I should take your advice. I love when people do it to me. I should do it to them too. Yeah. 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 Great, man. Well, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Another awesome conversation. Um, uh, for those of you who are listening and watching, stay tuned for more. Chris and I have a lot to say as you can, as you can hear and see, and we've got a lot of subjects to talk about. So we're going to be doing regular podcast, um, episodes, video podcast episodes. So tune back in. Um, and thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Cannot wait to share more with you on our next episode. So thanks again. And we'll see you next time.